0: Hi to all our listeners. This is Coach Chelsea, the host of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, a place where athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals come together to talk about faith, sports, and servant leadership. We hope that this podcast blesses you. If there's anything we could do for you, please find us at the Chelsea F on Twitter, at Chief Friend John, C H E F R A N J O H N on Instagram and streaming live at Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. We pray that you continue to be blessed and continue to serve as God would ask us to. All right. I want to thank everybody for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. This has been really, really an amazing journey that we've been going on. And today I'm really excited about this call because we have Coach Corey Harris with us. And I want to give him a quick shout out because what you all don't understand is he is actually one of our first coaches who is actually coaching internationally. He is in Beijing, China right now, the coach of the Beijing Royal Fighters CBA club. I'm so glad to have him here because one of the biggest questions I get all the time from coaches is why did you call me? What made you reach out to me? And the very thing that I said to him was that my biggest mission, God's goal for me and using me as his vessel is normalizing coaches of faith who aren't afraid to say, I know where I am and I know who got me here. And so Following Coach Corey on social media, which has been an amazing thing that we've all kind of had to go through a lot during the pandemic. One of the things that I see all the time from amazing servant leaders is they don't only talk the talk and walk the walk. And some of the best servant leaders are very humble. And when I reached out to Coach Corey, he was like, yep, no problem. Let's make this thing work. And so servant leaders lead when it's inconvenient. And I can't think of any more inconvenience than being a coach coach being in season and waking up, even as our day here in the U.S. is winding down, he's actually getting started. So Corey, thank you so much, my brother, for being here. I'm excited to have this chat with you today, and I'm gonna go ahead and turn the torch to you just so you can give an introduction, just kind of talk to us a little bit about your journey. Glad to have you here, man.
1: Thank you so much, Coach Chelsea. Um, It's not too early. I won't uh, pretend like, you know, as coaches, we don't have to usually get up at this time, so don't give me sure. too much credit for it. I just rolled over <laughs> sure. to on this jacket. You know what I mean? I still got my nightgown on under it. Playing, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, wow. Um, I'm, I'm glad, again, to, to talk to you guys. My journey is, is not probably too different from anyone else's here. Um, I always knew that I wanted to stay connected to the game of basketball, even when I finished playing in college. I didn't necessarily know exactly how that would happen, um, but I knew that I felt like I had something to give back. Right. So um, we all aspire to be coaches on the highest levels, just like when we hooped, we wanted to be players on the highest levels. But when you are a believer, sometimes your amb- ambition, it feels like it's conflicting with your faith and being a servant leader or being someone who's determined to glorify God. I didn't know how to really do that and make sure that God was like the biggest part of that equation and a lot of the success that people see on the outside is really just a result of me getting to a point where I stopped and he just took over. Um, It's funny, even with this job, I remember back in 2016, I made the decision that all I wanted to do was coach on the professional level. I knew that I wanted to um, kind of bypass, you know, the high school and the college ranks, and I just wanted to go straight to that because I heard John Calipari say, whatever level you start on, that's the level you usually get stuck on as a coach. You know, if you're a high school coach and um, you're thinking you want to one day go to the college ranks, well, once you win your first state title, you know, the parents, the other coaches, the community around you, they start demanding more state championships, you know, and so you kind of get caught in that rat race. If you're a college coach, your kids fall in love with you, you fall in love with the community, you get stuck in, in that rat race there. And so I said, if I get stuck, in a certain particular race, a certain part of the journey as a coach, I like to at least get stuck on the professional level. And that's not everybody's uh, journey. Some people do elevate, but I said, Lord, you know, I feel like you're calling me more to that level for those, the the men with those uh, life experiences to be able to pour into their lives, right? Because they still need ministry. They still need someone to come beside them and challenge them to be better. And so anyway, I was trying to figure out, well, how I remain ambitious, but at the same time, not just clue guy, but make sure that God is leading me every step of the way. And when it came to being hired here, I, I, I work with Coach Stephon Marbury. Um, he's a, a second-year coach here in the CBA. Everyone knows him as the player, but uh, he's been in the coaching world now since he retired. Um, I didn't want to treat it like a, a – like some sort of tryout or like some popularity contest where, hey, I'm going to go out and impress this guy. I'm going to be whoever he thinks I need to be in order to become someone he trusts. I wanted to continue to be myself. And, you know, I pray before sessions, you know, I include God in workouts, you know, coming up as a young coach. Um, I, I, I may not have the pedigree that he has or other people have who, who work with him or he respected, but I knew that, OK, maybe he needed someone of character who was going to be a little bit different. And it's funny. I actually was told no the first time around, you know, when I uh, approached, you know, his agent in the organization for this job. You know, I, I poured myself out. I, I actually spent a week with the team without pay. Um, I was traveling two, three hours across Beijing, you know, by bus, by subway. I would get on a bike. I would walk a couple blocks to their practice facility. And they were kind enough to let me stay in the team's hotel. But I was just waking up and literally putting in work, coming up with practice plans, taking players to the side for a week and had them tell me no at the end of the week. And then I went and traveled to another area in China called Urumqi, which is up in the mountains. And I did an entire uh, preseason mini camp with last year's defending champions, the Guangdong Tigers. And I stayed with them for over a month and had a rigorous job interview there. Where literally I lived with uh, a group of other trainers who were all trying out for the same job. So we all bunked in the same rooms, and then every week they would send somebody home. It was like, you know, uh, American Idol or something like that. And so I had to beat out these coaches to the end of the training camp. They paid me praise God. But, um, you know, they found out that I was connected to Stefan Marbury, who they hate with a passion. So they didn't give me the job for a political reason. And um, I just came back to the States and was like, Lord, what was that? Like, I just, you know, went through this whole experience of putting you first, talking to you every day. I could hear you clearer than I've ever heard you. And you were telling me, like, this is for me. you, 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 You put me in a situation where I knew I could lose. Lord, what is that about? And again, you know, a a piece came over me, and it was my fifth day in the States. I spent a whole year in China, came back. I had been back home for about five, six days, and Stephon Marbury called me at 3 in the morning. Are you up? I'm like, well, I guess I am now, you know. So you're not the first Coach Chelsea Marbury is the one who started this trend of getting me up early in the morning and, and and dropping some good news on me. But he he said, "Hey, look, I don't know what else to say other than we need you, we want you. You're just a good person." So of all the X's and O's, the the, the maybe the drills that we got all of us as coaches got in our back pocket, the quick hitters, the ATO, you know, plays we run out of timeouts. You know your favorite zone press, whatever. None of that stuff, and at the end of the day, is what separates us. You know, that's just the ground floor. All of us know the game of basketball is basically the same, you know, but what allows certain coaches to create better relationships with their players or to rise above the political stuff that can can pull us down or to find success amongst the hustle and bustle and the constant grind and influx of players and players leaving and transferring it's just your character. It's your connection to the Holy Spirit to decipher what to do in a moment where X's and O's don't give you the answer. And I, I had to remain humble and say, God, if I got a job basically because of my connection to you and this man, just seeing my character, I'm okay with that. He'll see my basketball IQ later on. He'll see, you know, that I'm really committed to this and this I'm a lifer. Like, you know, this is all I know. This is all I do. This is all I'm about. But if he just is looking at me and he sees you, cool. And and I'm I'm telling you guys, like, I wish I could uh, give the credit to myself. Like, I'm not one of those, you know, fake righteous people. Like, uh, I got a lot of stuff wrong with me. I got a lot of ish to work out. And you know, I ain't. I, I'm I'm not the guy you want to look at if you're trying to figure out how to, you know, organize your life because I'm all over the place at times. But for a person like him to tell me when they see me, they just see me. You're a good person, so I, I need a good person like that in my corner. You know what? What? What better thing can someone say to you? And that that was a start to my professional career.
0: I think that's so amazing, Coach. Um, when we sit and think about that, and it made me think about also too. As I say, I watch and I pay attention, and it was something that you tweeted out, and it was so uh, it rested with me and now it makes sense hearing your journey right? because there's so many things in your story just then that you talked about and trying to be a part of this team and what I saw is so many things that make people would make people quit and you tweeted out a couple of days ago something about you know it's hard to be disappointed if we don't walk around feeling like people owe us anything and that's what you were there you know I don't know many people in this day and age, and it's sad, but would have gone through that journey, putting all that work and effort into something and find at the end of the week, hey, no, sorry, we don't need you, right? And how many people hear the word no, and they stop. But the most beautiful thing that I heard you say in this whole message was that, you know, understanding that when they see God, when they see what I'm doing, they see God. And I think that's the biggest part because God speaks about that in his word. He tells us like, this is for your glory. That's one of my favorite songs in the whole entire world, right? Uh, Tasha Cobbs, she does it best, but for your glory, I know I'm doing it, but this is not for Corey Harris. This is not for Chelsea, Coach Chelsea. This is for God's glory. And if I'm doing these things and people see the God in me because of that, that's a win right there in itself. And I think that was so amazing, Coach. In doing this, platform over the past we we're about to hit 10 months which is so crazy to me we've seen the journey of coaches on different facets but we haven't seen the international side of things and a lot of times what you'll find and what you said is that you know it's some things that guys are still the game right but you talked about how being in China their way of work they're meticulous their repetitions and what of the things we do talk to us a little bit about the other adjustments that you had to make culturally um, you know, in the, in that change of pace.
1: Right. So I think the the biggest detriment to and, and, that, and I don't want to be disrespectful when I say this, but the biggest detriment to Americans traveling abroad, especially if it's not just for leisure, but if it's for some type of some type of work, some type of commerce, is we want to Americanize everything that we come into contact with. We want to impose our some of it is beliefs but a lot of it is just our culture we want to impose that on others as if their culture is just wrong like from the jump they're wrong and i've always been taught against that i was raised not to be that way but some of you you really can't uh, root out of yourself until you're made aware of it and so um i was blessed to to see other of the world a few times before I came to China. Um, but nothing could prepare me for this. Like you said, China is extremely meticulous. Um, it's extremely family oriented. I don't think people can fathom a country where there's over 2 billion people. You would have to see it. like To come here and see just how many people there are, it, it has to put you in a different mindset. Well, okay, they could not operate like this. It wouldn't work. They They couldn't have a democracy nationwide, their nation is bigger than ours. Um, they are actually thousands and thousands of years older than we are as well. like you have to think the United States of America is is a child, it's a young country, it's a baby. In all of the world, it's one of the newest. So even our traditions aren't real traditions in America It, it hasn't even been around long enough for anyone to like say, "Well, this is how we do it. Are you sure? it's changed like just 50 years ago, 60 years ago, we had Jim Crow in America. So if if you're just being honest, you know, a lot of our conception is very shallow. So when I came to China, the biggest thing I had to begin to understand is that these people have a history that goes beyond, you know, what I've read in the history books. And so they're set in stone in their ways. They have a a real uh, heritage. Like they all come from what they call the, the family of Han. You know, like one bloodline, you know, everyone here has basically been here. It, it, it's not a country of immigrants. And in, in that way, they are protected, but they are also on the flip side sheltered. That's the, the negative side of the coin. So I had to get used to not being stared at because someone didn't, because someone may not understand it. And I had to realize that I'm more of an ambassador which we know we all are in the kingdom of God, but even just as a man, a, a, a black man, I'm I'm a representative of a race for them. I'm a representative of a culture for them. And that comes with a, a certain amount of pressure, a good pressure, if you are aware of it. If not, you play the victim, right? But if, if you look at it from a standpoint of opportunity, it can make you feel like, okay, God, what do you have for me today? Because this is a day where, again, you can be glorified. You can be uh, put on display for a people group who are truly agnostic. Like, it's not that they hate God. Agnostic, they just, they don't understand it. They don't even conceptualize it. it is, if it's not science to them, they don't even think. Faith is faith. You know what I mean? Like, that's a question I get a lot from people who may just be around me all the time. And you see the light bulb turn on so quickly for them. As soon as they see it getting results in your life, they're like, oh, I want to believe in this guy. So as a coach here in China, you don't really go through the, the push back and forth, the arguments that you may go through with someone who, like me, who was not agnostic growing up, I was the opposite of that. I actually didn't want to believe in God as a young man growing up. You had to prove it to me. You really had to like break down my perceptions. Like I I just could prove to you all day. No, you you don't know what you're talking about. And I was raised in church. So that was the biggest thing, of course, basketball wise. Yes, it's it's the same game, but I would say here, they're in like a late 90s early 2000s like style of the game and that's only because of the limited amount of coaching so you can always correlate the rise of something to the influx of positive teachers and china of course in order to enter the country you have to have a certain form of visa you have to be here for a certain purpose and even if you're here for that purpose you're only uh, allowed to be here for a certain amount of time unless your visa is being renewed for a real reason. You have to prove the reason why you're here. You can't just come here and become a citizen. Uh, it's crazy. Stefan Marbury is the first international, you know, foreigner to ever have a green card in Beijing, in China. Like they don't just give that out, you know? So um, even to just fathom that, like one person in the history, you know, of a place to have a green card, it, it, it can blow your mind. But so there has to be more, Uh, teaching and come come into the country. Uh, More Chinese players and coaches need to go to other countries to be exposed to the game. I had to get used to, you know, two, three practices a day where that's not punishment. That's just the way they do it. It's not like, oh, you know, y'all don't want to run? We're going to come back later today at six o'clock. No, 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 no. They go on at 10 a.m. just because that's what they're doing. They're coming back at, you know, Uh, three o'clock, just because that's what they're doing. And then they're going to come back in the evening just because that's how they do it. And is that good? Yeah, in some sense, they work harder than we do. But do they work as smart as we do? You know, um, the language barrier is a real thing too. You know, my language barrier coming up as a young coach, you know, even since 2008 was, I have a very thick country draw if you catch me at the right time. You know, if you get me around some some camp folk, it it just, it comes out. And so I've done camps on the West Coast. I've done stuff up North. I've played, I played ball in the Midwest. And even as a player, I struggle with sometimes teammates looking at me like, man, what you say? You know, cause you know, you in the heat of the the moment or you in battle. And now it's not just, you know, oh, we're going to go set a pin down, you know, and then you're going to come off. No, you talking too fast and people are like, Yo, you know, we got a language barrier, bro. You got to slow down here. It don't matter if you speak in slang, perfect vernacular, whatever. I, you don't know Mandarin and they don't know English. So I also had to learn the patience of speaking through a translator and even having to build a relationship with a translator to the point where he's not just uh, a microphone where he's amplifying my voice in Mandarin. I had to make sure my translators knew basketball terminology, knew me, knew my emotions. We had to spend time together off the floor so that they could better understand what I'm trying to say. Everything in English doesn't exactly translate to Mandarin. So even if I am having a spiritual conversation, some words in the English language, they're not even words in Mandarin. And some of their words in Mandarin, because their language is older than ours, has more meaning than our small, finite, you know, twisted vernacular in English. And I was like, "Man, there's, there's so much more to this game, this world, humanity than you know I was really expecting, you know, before I, before I came here." But at the end of the day, everyone wants love. Everyone wants validation. Everyone wants to be appreciated. Um, and everyone wants an opportunity, you know, to, to chase their goals, but you have to just figure out what that currency is and, uh, what are, what are the values of the, the people group that you're, you're serving. So, um, we're more alike than we are different, but the differences are uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable.
0: I think there was so much in that and the beauty that is how you brought it home. Um, coach Paul He's not on a night, um, but he's often on here. And he always talks to us, because Paul is in Iowa. And he always says, no matter who the speaker is, it always comes back to the simple fact that, you know, we are more alike than we are different. And you just need to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And patience is what I get from all the way. And now, it doesn't, now it makes a whole lot of sense to me as I sit here and watch how cool, calm, and collective that you are, because that takes a Job amount of patience to be able to, you know, one, learn that language barrier, to be able, like you said, translate, because watch this. One of the things that I do know that, is that as a coach, my emotions, you don't need to know my language to you know my emotions, you know? And so right, right. To, be, to be able to, you know, give a light. And that's the biggest thing that I saw in all that you said, you know, understanding you talked about being what they see, right? As a black man, a black man that loves God. And that, I mean, they don't see that every day. And so, as you said, to a person who A, doesn't know Christ, do, does not understand the opportunity that that gives, you're good. that the, per- the opportunity that gives, that would maybe cause somebody to shy away, but you understand your agenda you understand the opportunity that you have to shed a light and shine a light and one thing about God's light it doesn't matter it doesn't need a translation that's the great part about that you may have to translate x's and o's you may have to train but God's light in his children when we walk it and not talk it as I told you why I reached out to you that is why those players ask you, hey, tell me about this God that you seek, that you speak about being the head of your life. It's because the light, and the light needs no translation. That's so amazing, my guy. Oh my goodness. Amazing. Um, You know, the pandemic has been something that I talk about every time I come on here, no matter where we are, all right, it was a global thing. It wasn't just regional, it wasn't by race, color creed. It was global everybody went through it right can you just kind of tell us i know you had to shift back actually to the states but what does the pandemic how has that changed some things where you are in beijing what does that look like for them we know in the u.s right now with our pandemic and some decisions being made what do things look like in beijing
1: uh so everybody kind of has to go back to um for me, go back to January, January 21st, we played a big rivalry game last year. Um, they call it the, the battle of Beijing. So we're like Beijing North. And then you have, you know, uh, the opposite side of Beijing. And that's the Beijing Ducks. So we are the Beijing Royal Fighters. The Beijing Ducks is the team everyone knows. Even some people out of, outside of China know them because of Stefan Marbury. That's who we played for. They won, you know, some championships here and, Um, They're they're big dogs. You know, anyways, uh, January 21st, we played them. We beat them at home in a thrilling fashion. And that was the last game before the biggest holiday in the world, um, Chinese New Year. And um, when I say biggest in the world, it is the largest, massive exodus of people worldwide. Because, again, there's over two billion people here. Chinese New Year is a time where they're not just celebrating the turning over uh, their calendar is the time where they're celebrating coming home. So throughout the year in this culture, your job is supposed to be to work, bring honor to your family, to earn a living, uh, do different things that they just see as respectful ways of living your life as a human being. Once the the calendar flips over, your job is to go home. You present maybe some sort of... uh, uh, I, I say prosperity, right? You come home with with gifts. You come home with maybe money. You come home with a new child, if if a, if you know you had a son or a daughter that year. That way, your elders, your grandparents, your great grandparents, whoever's still a, around, elders in your family, can now see the 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 growth, right? It's not where you're just throwing things at their feet, but it's so that the family can come back together. And then when they go back out like this. Everyone is supposed to be recharged, renewed. So they do nothing for a month. They just eat, get fat, be merry, you know, and, and that's that. So it's like Thanksgiving on steroids, Christmas on steroids, anything that you can think about, add that plus 10. Well, 21st, it's an opportunity for us as foreigners to go home. Um, we have a different coaching staff. Marbury is the head coach. He's American. Coach Jay Humphreys is our head assistant. He played in the NBA with Michael Jordan. He's American. Um, coach Ryan, canigator uh, he's our strength coach. He's American. I'm American. We're the only staff in the entire league, maybe even this side of the world, this hemisphere that has this many Americans on an international coaching staff, right? We have two Chinese assistants, but they're the minority in this situation. Well, all of us are planning what we're going to do at this time, because this is our break. And, None of us knew that at the same time in Wuhan, there was already something going on that was greatly affecting the people group there. It wasn't national news yet, even here. So I left on the 22nd to go back to the States. Wasn't trying to make like a big deal out of it. I just wanted to kind of get in, get home, see my loved ones, get back as, as quick as I could before I got fined, basically. And... We get a message, maybe the second day that I'm home, and I see that uh, they're giving us an extra week. There's something going on, there's been an outbreak in a neighboring city. We didn't, I didn't even know what Wuhan was. And, you know, take your time, take extra time. I said, oh man, like, you know, I already booked a ticket. I had a round trip flight. Now you can cancel. But you know, before I got this job, I ain't going to flex, y'all. I was balling on a budget, you know, for the past 12 years. I I had been just training players and, you know, doing the school thing and so every gig I got, it was paying for gas money, a plane ticket, food for that day, you know, clothes. And I hadn't been in the CBA long enough to stack no checks. So when they talking about, you know, cancel your flight and my flight $1500, $1800, I said, okay, well, what is this uh this outbreak? And do I really need to worry about it? Cause I can't, I can't give up, you know, that that type of money like that. Maybe they can, I can't. So anyway, I'm not gonna say that it was the money, but I got down on my knees with my girl and we prayed. And I said, Lord, I don't know exactly what this is about. Of course, certain things started to circulate in the news, and maybe we have more of an education at that time of what was going on. But I won't say it was a lack of respect for the virus or anything like that. It was, a, again, shalom. It was the peace of God that passes all understanding. It came over me the next morning because I said, Lord, if, you, if I wake up and I feel like you're telling me that I'll be fine when I go back, I'll go back. If you tell me you need to stay, I'll stay. And that's kind of how I live my life. I'm not the guy that's going to quote a million scriptures. I'm not going to pretend like, I'm some type of theologian, and and I know the word inside and out. Everyone in this group would probably be better than me when it came to that, but I have a real relationship like everyone else in this group where we're not praying out of routine. We're praying out of uh, just a need to hear from him. Like we, We don't function well if we don't know what his plan is for us. We it feels awkward to try to take steps, you know, left or right, not knowing if that's where he wants me to go. So when he gave me the okay, um, you know, again, we thank God because we were in expectation, me and my girl, that something good was going to happen to me. And we didn't know why he was telling me to go back into the fire, into a place that everyone was saying was, quote, unquote, unsafe. But that's what he was telling me to do. And so I boarded my flight in the next three days to China. and it was a, a a crazy experience in the in the airport Kobe you know the, the news about him and Gigi and the other passengers that played over the television so I actually was uh flying into Chicago to get on a connecting flight that would take me take me back and you know for those of you guys who are Kobe fans and respected his craft like that was a tough day and so I thought that was a sign like man like no nah, the world is like kind of upside down I don't feel good about being on a plane right now no one wanted to be in a plane a helicopter or even stand on the front porch if it was two three stories too high at that point it was like no nah, just kind of chill and not to make light of the situation but or to make it about me I just I said God are you sure like I asked him I'm like is this really you did I did I miss you and he said man I got you and so I boarded my next flight, made there was five people on the entire flight, a huge jet, and it's five people on the whole flight, another red flag. I'm like, okay, God, come on, man. Like, what's going on? You know, we supposed to be closer than this. You know, you they in hazmat suits on the plane. I got to wear a mask the whole time. You know, that was my first time not being able to breathe normally. So I'm feeling sick now, sitting there with a mask on for 17 hours. I get off the plane. Y'all, the Beijing Capital Airport is like Hartsfield-Jackson if you've ever flown to Atlanta. It is huge. It's big. It's a lot of people. We were the only people in the entire airport. Imagine that. If you walk through an airport and you can hear your shoes hitting the ground. And I, I don't wear high heels. So, you know, you can hear yourself breathing. You're looking around. There's no security guards at the corners. There's no one you know, checking you or doing all the natural things. In China, you walk and people are always bumping you. So when you don't see anyone, a, a single soul, now it's it's scary. It's, it's getting eerie. It's getting like, again, God, did I miss you? And so I get outside of the airport. I get to my hotel. I'm immediately quarantined. I'm immediately told, like, you can't leave your room. So my mind is already at the point where, okay, God, if this is what you call me to, we need to have another meeting right now. Like I got to get some more instructions because I've never experienced anything like this. And the news is playing every day and you're looking outside. You don't see people walking around anymore. Then you hear people are dying, right? They have real trackers. You know, just think about it, guys. Like we move so fast sometimes through life. We forget like, just months ago, people were looking at their phones to count the death toll. You know, CNN had a ticker on the bottom of the screen with numbers as if we're all looking at the lotto, trying to figure out if the power land. people are looking to see like, well, how many people died yesterday? And, you know, for China, I will say this, I'm sorry I circled around so far, but it it changed the way that. These people just live their everyday lives. So even as an American, when I came home after the season finally ended, after living in China throughout the, the basically the entire pandemic, I only missed three, four days, I had a different appreciation for just being able to have the freedoms of democracy, the ability to choose to live in a free state like Georgia, where, yeah, they probably opened things up way too early in <laughs> You know, people aren't taking it serious and they're not, you know, social distancing. But even the fact that they have the ability just to even choose, like, I I said, we really don't know how good we have it. In China, one person was allowed to leave the home to go to the grocery store, the pandemic. That was it. One person. So if you had a family of six, one person could go to the store and be out in the grocery store. And then that person had to come back and make sure they had everything for the family for maybe a certain amount of days. If you were traveling somewhere, your phone with QR codes, right? They, they you scan something. It basically pulled up your entire medical history for that month. Everywhere you travel, your GPS in your phone kept you know, a certain record of where you had been. And that was so you could prove that you were healthy. Constantly being tested. And I'm not talking about like in America where you go somewhere, you pay for it or it's free like some school or military base offering you to find out your status with COVID-19 no like they come into your room and they're shoving a q-tip like up to your brain you know swirling around thank you you know close the door you know and oh don't test positive because you going to a hospital where you're going to quarantine there for 14 days and you're not going to know where they're taking you next but hopefully you get healthy because now you're like damaged goods and you know you can't work. So they handled it better than any country I've seen around the world from the standpoint of when I say quarantine, when I say social distance, I mean, you really quarantine. Like I couldn't come out of my room for weeks, you know, unless it was an emergency. Uh, When I say social distance, I mean, you couldn't have a certain amount of people even in a open area And I'm not talking casually, like, you know, you still go out to eat, no, like to go to the grocery store and there's police officers and security at the front door. Do I think they handled it great from the standpoint of letting the rest of the world know? I'm gonna be careful because the government hears everything I do here on, on camera. I'll just say they maybe could have told us before they did. And I don't think it's as much of a surprise as they were wanted to, to see. It's been around maybe longer than they let on, but it, it really affected people. People really died. It's not a game. Um, I've seen people get it here and actually like not where, oh, do you guys know someone that has it or have you? No, like everyone here knows someone or uh, was connected to someone who's now not here anymore because of the virus. Like all of us, like from my Chinese friends to like family members, aunts, uncles, grandparents, young, old players in the CBA. Like it it, it it was different for me being here and actually seeing it and knowing exactly like how the height of it and then going back to the state. And then I just didn't even know how to function because I was around people who thought it was a joke. You know, so... Um, But some of the best things came out of the midst of that. You know, I was, okay, so I was uh, stuck in China during the time. Coach Marbury was at home. Coach Jay was at home. Everyone went home. So the team came back together after a month of being separated. You know, all the Chinese players were called back. Our foreign players, uh, Kyle Fogg, Arnett Moultrie, other guys that, that we had, they were still gone, but our Chinese players, which is about 12 or 13 guys, They all came back to our training facility, and I was the only coach on the coaching staff other than the two Chinese assistants here. So it's my first year working on the professional level. My first year with this staff, I'm the only coach without some NBA or great international pedigree, and now I'm being thrust into leadership. So all the 12 years of coaching, all the experiences with working with the different levels, all of the faith in God, now it's like it's, it's time to step into it. And all I have is like a Zoom meeting like this with Coach Marbury or Coach Jay on a weekly basis to basically get my marching orders. That's it. But it's up to me to implement it. And y'all, it was some of the greatest time in my young coaching career because every morning I was getting something fresh and something new from the Holy Spirit to basically say something that we had already been saying for the first half of the season. So, yeah, I'm following your plan, Coach Steph, but okay. You know, when you're anointed, you don't just always go by the script. You don't always, you know, just march to the same beat of maybe someone else who, yeah, they're anointed too, but it's specific. It's unique. And the amount of breakthroughs we have with guys just on the court within their games, the time of course building, getting to know the players on a deeper level and to just validate within myself. I didn't need it from anybody else, but just so that I can know, like, boy, you could do this. Like, you could maybe, you're not coaching in a game, but you, you could run practice. You could do film sessions on your own. You know, you could organize uh, breakdowns and make sure that guys are learning the actions within the plate on a deeper level. You can be yourself. You don't have to be a robot. You don't have to act like Coach Steph or Coach Jay be court. And in six weeks, when everyone came back from their quarantines in the States or whatever process they went to, to get back, everyone was like, these guys have gotten better. And at the time we were a playoff team already. We, we, we were on pace to make the playoffs, So it wasn't like we were trash. We were, we were doing things, but when they came back, I mean, I was a strength coach. I had to play the role of two assistants And I couldn't talk to my Chinese assistants without a translator. So, I mean, I didn't know what God was doing when he told me to go back. But once I got into it, I looked up and I said, God, you are funny, man. Like, if this was your plan the whole time, I'm with it. Because I couldn't have scripted this. I couldn't have made this happen on my own. And even if you would have told me, you'd have the opportunity to bond with players you'd have the opportunity to really coach and get your feet wet. I would have still been like, well, I don't know if I could go through a month of solitude and, you know, not knowing that it would work. Right. So, man, he's just awesome. Like he he has it all planned out. We just have to trust him, you know, but you can't do that if you're not hearing, if you're not pausing to listen to him.
0: That is so amazing coach. Like I'm sitting here to be able to get an inside look right we watch on the news over here we watching what we think and I but to see it from your perspective but in all of that in all of that everything that you said that most people would you say that's a negative or you know their faith would you know slide for a minute move to the left they would start doubting those things strengthened your faith in God. Those things allowed you to lean on him and then to see his glory work, you know, as he tells us in the word, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. And so you reached out to him. You said, okay, God, look, hey, and it sounds like you talk to him like I talked to him. I don't need, you know, that's what I tell people. You don't have that grandiose conversation. You'll talk to him. You're his child and he knows you. Have that conversation. And- the wherewithal, a guy, you got it. I'm just trying to figure this out because it was, it was so much going on at one point in time. And to, to find yourself walking into a storm, not understanding what the storm is, there's no way you don't talk to God. But not only that, you listen to Him. How often do we ask Him for things or ask His guidance and still do our own thing? Or question again, like, you sure you wanted me to do that and still do our own thing. But to have that relationship with him and that trust enough in him to still do what he asked you and call you to do. And the beauty of watching why he placed you there for such a time as this. That thing is perfect. I'm going to ask you this, Coach, and I'm going to give an opportunity for any other coach that has a you know question or comment. With all of that you said, and of course, we've been talking about a pandemic, of course, naturally at that same time you know, like you said, lovers of the game, regardless if that was your favorite player or not, what happened to Kobe, Gigi and the others that were on that helicopter that was tragic, right? So many ups and downs, even at the beginning of our conversation with, you know, your entrance into the CBA, all of those ups and downs, what would you say to a coach, leader, servant leader that when those Valley moments, as I call them, when they come about and they will, how do you continue to build your faith how do you stay spiritually fit and keep that wherewithal when things are hard? How do you continue to keep yourself uplifted and trusting in God when all of those things around do you say otherwise?
1: Wow, that's a, that's a great question. I guess I would say that my answer would always change depending on where I am in the, that present moment of answering the question. One, one of the things I try to do with my players is, it's, it's not a game or anything I play with them, but I try to always ask them the question of, where were you before this? And what was the toughest situation you've ever been through before this? So for instance, we had a, a player who, he had a long tenure in the NBA um, named Jason Thompson. And a uh, shout out to JT. He, you know, went through a tough time here um, playing in the CBA our team. It just didn't work out. You know, sometimes it's not a great fit Or a foreign player, um, you know, on the international level. Um, And they're here a lot of times towards the end of their careers. So they have certain expectations, things they're used to, but the situations don't always line up. And with him, uh, he he got into a a tough stretch where he felt like he was being underutilized and he was just looking for
0: more. I think he maybe logged out to come back on. My grandparents always said, when you get ready to speak uh, the word of God, that's what ends up happening. But I'll take the time to say that, you know, the beauty, why would waiting on you uh, to come back through with the strength? I think the beauty in all of that is, and the whole purpose of the servant leader is when things seem, when things seem hard, when things seem that they're at a loss, understanding that God is the strength in the head. And if you just lean on them, Right. I say this all the time, you know, in the word he tells us to cast our cares on him simply because he cares for us. Right. We have our parents. We have our grandparents. We have our siblings. We have our closest friends. But I don't know many people that's going to say, hey, Coach G, love you, dude. Give me all your cares. Hey, Coach Huff, love you, man. Give me everything that's on your plate today. Kendra, Coach Chris, Walt, man, y'all know how I feel about y'all. Todd, give me all your cares, All right. Just give them to me and I'll handle it. Right. I don't know a person that's going to do that. We may want to. But the fact of the matter is, no matter what we go through in this life. And I'm telling you from what I've experienced. I'm not telling you from what I think. You know, I'm not telling you for what the word says. I went through it and it took it took spiritual maturity. And what I went through to understand that if I'd never been sick, I don't know he's a healer. I know that's what they told me, but I don't know he's a healer. I know now because I've been sick and I've been healed. I don't know that he can be a burden bearer because I never had burdens. Well, I've had burdens. And I can tell you right now, he's a burden bearer. And if I didn't have trials, I didn't know that he could be a deliverer. But because I had trials, I know this. And so I see my boy Corey back and I'm pretty sure that was well along the lines that he was gonna say that at the end of the day, when I walk, like it says, yay though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because we already know who holds it. We already know who walks with us. All right? Corey, you there for me, man? I was trying to buy yeah, you.
2: I'm back. I'm
1: back. <laughs> What's
0: probably. up, my guy? you, sound no, like you. you was
1: rolling. You, hey, you told the I, story. It's so good.
0: We're done. Hey, look, I was ready for you. I kind of figured and knew that that was kind of a, a line. But see, that was God. Like you said, the light needs no translation. I told you that I'm telling you, you can I have life. that one. The light needs no translation, <laughs> you know? And so I knew where you were got, going.
1: He said, you can have
0: that. Hey, there <laughs> I, I, it! Look, I'm telling you, man. No, for real. But, you know, go ahead and finish up and tell us, you know, kind okay. of you. I know you were on that line, but go ahead and, and, and drop us with that uh, final encouragement that we need to hear.
1: So, yeah, so basically, we, we've all been through things. And I think that we forget that life is a cycle. Um, of course, everything evolves, but nothing really changes. You know, I was, I was raised and taught by a lot of people that um, you only become more of the person that you already are. Like, you, you never really change. God is the only one who can be a, an actual change agent because things have to start from the inside out, right? So when I was talking to Jason Thompson, um, who was you know, our, our foreign big at the time, um, before his exit, I asked him that question, what, did you, what have you already been through? And basketball is a children's game. So the stresses that we feel on the court, the things that we allow to become pressure, it's all within a, a game that was meant for children. Now, on this level, guys get paid, you know, millions of dollars to play a children's game. Some coaches get paid millions of dollars to teach a children's game. And that blurs your ability to keep things in perspective because you actually start to think that you're working hard or that you are experiencing some sort of stress that no one else can understand. But I don't know about you guys, but um, I came up, you know, pretty, pretty hard. And that's not anything new or different from a lot of, you know, you or anyone else, you know, um, we didn't have anything. We, you know, were homeless for some time. You know, I come from a household filled with uh, abuse and it's a lot of love there for my mother, but I've seen a lot, you know, I've been through a lot of experience and I've done a lot to other people. You know, like I said, I'm not somebody that, uh, I would even want my future son to emulate, you know, I can get up and I can sound good, but if you really knew me, you follow me around with a camera, you know, you find out very quickly, you know, that I'm, I'm human just like anybody else. So if if I'm thinking about the things that I've been through, the things that I've survived, the things that, you know, God has delivered me from, there's nothing really that I can go through at this point, and this is just for me, that can really, like, shape me to where my core shift left or shift right and that's different for everybody sometimes it's later in your life sometimes it's when you have you know had kids and gotten married but you know I, I've already lost people very 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 close to me you know I've already seen people who are supposed to have my best interests at heart turn their back on me leave me you know give up on me um tell me to my face, I'm not going to beat anything. I've already struggled with believing in God. That's not something that happens anymore. I don't I don't really ask God a lot of questions when it comes to God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? As far as, you know, if he's hurting me. Sometimes I ask him stuff like a friend, asks a, another friend, like, yo, you know, like what's, what's going on, you know? But that's not me challenging him as if like, I'm not going to keep walking behind him. You know, I don't, I don't ask God to bless my endeavors. I just trust that whatever endeavors he's given to me that they're blessed already, you know? So from that standpoint, I feel like I can't lose. I'm invincible. Um, I'm walking around with like a literal shield, you know, in front of me where some things may not be back because I'm behind the shield. And so when they hit the shield, you know, I kind of slide back in the dirt a little bit because it's just the force of the the thing hitting the shield. It's not you actually getting hit by that thing, but I still have this shield it, it hasn't cracked it hasn't left it's it it's it may be damaged on the front. it may seem like it's not going to withstand but I've already been through too many things and too many blasts where okay it didn't crack it didn't it didn't fold it didn't break so whatever's coming at me now, I don't know if it can ever compared to that. Now the enemy, all he needs to do is hear you say that and he's going to throw something else at you. Right. So I'm setting myself up right now in this moment, but I'm afraid that I can't give the greatest spiritual answer to certain questions because to me, it's just a very like regular thing. Like if, if, all right, let's, let's say this. If we really believe in God and we really believe that his word is true and we really believe in his plans, for us, we have to understand that we're taking a risk that most people that walk this earth are not taking, right? To trust yourself or to just trust factual things is to say, well, I'm just going to go with the, the, the sure thing, like the thing I can see, the thing I can feel, the thing I can touch, the thing I can actually hear with my ears, the things I can perceive with my senses, right? That That's how most people live their life. But to follow something, someone that you've never met, like Jesus, ain't never came up to me, dap me up, and like, "What's good? Where you from, my dude?" Like, you know, blah blah blah. Like, I never really had that experience with Jesus. Maybe you did, you know. I haven't seen an angel per se. No one came to my mother, Miss Manita, and said, "Unto you, a little nappy head boy will be born." Like, there's nothing. There's nothing I have, like, you know. Man, God is real because. I mean, I, my mother's been healed before, you know, uh, a very terminal you know, disease. And so I was a witness to that. But as far as just me and my relationship, that was for her. Like, I don't, I don't have what some other people claim to have. And so I know I'm taking a risk. I once was arguing with a childhood friend back when I was an immature Christian. I would argue about these things. And I told him, Bro, like if if I die and I gave my whole life to something that I I don't know to be factual, the way maybe you live your life, and my entire life I forgave people, I I blamed everything on the the presence of an unseen uh you know provider healer restorer, and I I I had a a I had a belief and a faith about me that didn't allow me to get down in the dumps. I don't experience depression like like if I die and I live a life like that and me and you both are just worm food I said I think I won but I said if I'm right and I actually put my faith in something that now grants me not only a great life on this earth but eternal life in a in the presence of the most high God and you didn't and you end up in a place where I don't even have to describe who's winning who's losing you know, so when it comes down to, you know, where my faith is concerned, honestly, God gave us all a portion of faith. And so I don't regard my faith as stronger or anything different from anyone else's. I just choose to appropriate it and just choose to make sure it stays in action. Anything that stops moving dies. And so if every day I'm I'm giving it some effort, if every day I'm in communication with God and I'm talking to him about the small things. God, what, what type of air maxes do you think I should put on there with this fit? I, I don't really know, you know, like got these little legs. I don't want my feet looking like they stand, you know, and people, you know, they want to talk to them about the big things. I just say, if you talk to them about the small, y'all got a, a, a track record now where the big stuff is, it's not hard to believe in for that. So I had to learn obviously, but yeah, I'm a regular, regular guy. That's, that's, that's how I operate
0: that's amazing man and you know i'm chuckling because it's much of the same for me and but i think it's the biggest thing you said you learn to talk to god and build that relationship and that conversation even with the little things when those large prayers or those prayers that are more heavy weighted come along it's like what it's almost like a conversation that you're having with anybody else the more you do it you know I'll anybody actually that's on here you know especially kendra When I first met Coach Kendra that's on here, it was like, okay, conversation was really short. Now we could probably talk all day if we didn't have jobs, you know what I mean? Because it became a consistent thing. It became something we were used to. And the same thing works in our prayer life. So I think that's so amazing, God. I think that's so amazing. My coaches, I'm gonna give you an opportunity if you have any questions or comments for Corey before we get out of here, you know, go ahead, have at it.
2: I just want to say thank you. I think that was absolutely amazing. Um, I was getting my workout done <laughs> while while you were talking the whole time, but I heard you down the hall. I could still hear it all, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I think it is super fantastic that you came and joined us, like Coach Kelsey, like Coach Chelsea said. Um, you are the first one that's been international, but being able to hear the things that you went through, and I think especially that kind of faith that you had to go back. And it's like it was almost like a trick (laughs) i think we all have to kind of get tricked into doing the things that we're supposed to do that we're kind of like if we would have known ahead of time we'd be like yeah i don't think so (laughs) and we drag our feet and we drag our feet so i think that's awesome to hear that and and i think that just brings confirmation more and more to the things that I'm doing daily, I'm sure to the things that everybody else is doing daily when we're kind of like, do we wanna go down that rabbit hole? Is it something that we want to or not? And and it helps us to kind of see that if we just have faith, it's all gonna work out and it really is. And I think we've heard that over and over and over again is you put God first and everything else will work out. And so that was just confirmation again and again and again. And Coach Chelsea continues to outdo herself every single time. I have to keep coming back to see what's next. <laughs> but thank you for that.
1: Thank you guys. Thank you guys. It's, a, it's an honor to be here.
0: Anybody else? There he is. But, uh, K.O., what's going on, bro?
1: What's going on, my man? Good to finally uh, be able to talk with you. You know, virtual reality is better than nothing, so.
3: This, this is true, this is true. Um, Listen, man, so we've already chopped it up a little bit before on previous Zooms. I just wanna say thanks as always. Transparency is huge. And I just try to plug out different things that I can take for myself, whether it be personal development, whether it be um, my improvement with my, my personal journey with God or something I can take back to my players, whatever. And just transparency for yourself, but transparency with your team also, and just also making sure that you're unapologetically you. I put it over in the chat over there. Um, we kind of commenting over there, not, not out of disrespect, but it's just kind of off to the side, so it's not messing up whoever's speaking. But it's like, be you, and everybody's not going to always like it. You know, it is what it is. And some people just be hating. Sp- I'm gonna call a spade a spade. Like you said, Or oh, you you cool with this guy? No, nah, I'm not gonna give you the job. I'm like, Really? Or oh, you mad because I'm winning or the players might gravitate more to you because you got that that rapport with them or whatever. So keep being you man and, and, and the good stuff will follow, you know.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. And that that's a that's a hard thing to do. Um, regardless of the level, like one thing I saw was that, um, you know, amongst the the coaching community and people I was connected to, they thought that I was going to see myself differently because I got a job, you know, and it may be a center realm that certain people want to, to, to be in, they're aspiring to be in, but, you know, it, it, it made me realize that a lot of us, don't have the the strength. And and at times I haven't done this right. So again, I'm being transparent, but we don't have the strength at times to be ourselves um, because everyone has a, has a price, right? So my goal is to, you know, coach in the NBA. I don't want to, you know, stay international. I'd like to return stateside. This is hopefully a, a step in that direction for me. And so again, there'd be another test of, a coaching staff, a people group, an opportunity, a job presented to me where the the thing to do might be to play a role and act like whatever I need to act like in order to get that job, to fit in, to be one of the guys, to now be someone who doesn't ruffle feathers or doesn't, you know, go against the grain. And if, when I say it's a test, I don't mean like that just in a, you know, Sunday school type of thing. Let's throw around that word test, test it. Like, it will be hard for me. Like, your test may not be a test for me. My test may not be a test for you. But if someone were to say, like, man, you got the real opportunity to coach in the NBA, but we need you to cut down on, you know, this. Or you got to kind of, you know, move this way, move that way. You know, or even just if I was asked to partake in something, you know, extracurricular that, you know, maybe I'm not really down with, like, it's a whole nother world. It's a realm. It's a, it's, uh, you know, without being, because I can be transparent, but I can't be, you know, I don't just be snitching on, on folks, you know, on Zoom. So it's like, I got to be careful. But when, when you, when you enter certain levels, you should already have counted the cost mentally. And, you know, one of those things for me was, Okay, what's going to be the cost of me coaching in certain places or working in certain arenas? Like, I'm not always going to be, you know, on the best terms with a lot of people because maybe they'll think I'm just trying to be this way, you know, or maybe because I'm humble, people will actually see me as weak, you know, maybe because um, I don't come from the same places as them, or I don't have a pedigree of playing professionally you know already being a star on a lot of levels maybe they will see me as someone unless I overcompensate in other other ways as oh he's just a pawn or he's just here because he knew someone or he doesn't really know his stuff or you know and so when guys you know ladies I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize for my vernacular but when when people <laughs> when, when we get opportunities sometimes we go ahead and we try to figure all those answers out within ourselves. And then we start thinking for other people and they might not even be thinking like that. Or even if they are, you might be actually able to, I read this in Devon Franklin's book. um, I think it was called like lessons from Hollywood or believing in God. It's, It's basically chronicling his journey as a professional within Hollywood, but a Christian in Hollywood and how there are certain things that only a Christian could navigate the way he navigated it, and it actually thrust him into a higher level of success. So, like, for instance, if you, let's say you pray every day, and someone at your job comes across your path and you're praying, they may think, why are you praying? Maybe. Everyone's not going to be hateful, but most people just be curious, or they just won't see the value in it. They may ask Hollywood commandments. There you go. Thank you so much, coach. They may, they may wonder why you're doing that. Let's say you give them an answer a day or two passes. They don't see you praying again. They don't see you praying for the rest of their year, for the rest of the season or whatever. They're going to pay attention to the things you do consistently, not what you just did one time. So even though you prayed in front of them that one time, if all you're doing is something contrary, they think, well, that's your faith. That's the actual thing that you lean on. That's your knee jerk reaction. That's who you are. So by you praying and not being afraid to maybe pray publicly, it's not so much the fact that, well, they're gonna wanna believe in God or they're gonna, no, their first knee jerk reaction is to say, here's someone who has a routine. Here's someone who is consistent. Who, here's someone who has character, right? And if it's an employer or a boss, they just want to know that you can do your job. So they want to see things that qualify you as a, a good hire. So it doesn't matter if you're Muslim and you're on your knees praying and you're kissing the floor. Or I'm sorry if I'm disrespecting them, but I don't know exactly what they're doing. But if you're if you're on your hands and knees. it doesn't matter. It's the fact that you do it every single day. So in their mind, they're like, well, at least they have the capacity to be consistent. They have the capacity to show some type of regularity where I know where they're going to be at this time doing this thing. I can trust that. That's what builds equity. But as believers, sometimes we think that we have to do things to show that we are just believers when in fact, you just living the lifestyle of a believer is supposed to also show all the other things that are just in like the worldly books. And you go to seminars and you learn like the 10 ways to become a CEO, like the Bible is supposed to give you all that. You shouldn't even have to go and pay to listen to, you know, Eric Thomas and and those are great people. But like, if it, if it has to come from over there, just for you to circle back and realize it's in the word, you are probably not in your word enough. And so, if you really are just living this life the way you're supposed to as a child of God, it's going to expose the other work-related qualities. You know, like just even having a disposition of optimism, right? That's what faith is supposed to give you. Just if something goes wrong, we have Chinese players. So sometimes they, they screw up and I can't just communicate to them directly, but because they see my face is not all wrinkled up because he just turned it over. He threw it out of bounds. He, he, he fouled a guy we were in the bonus. So now we he's giving up two free throws for the other team. When he sees it, I'm like, what are you doing? Now? Just relax. He's like, but that that came from optimism that's rooted in faith. Like not, I really want to punch you. Like I really want to throw my clipboard and go you over your head. But because I'm a man of faith, there's a timing for when Jesus flipped over the, the, the tables in the temple there's a tiny for that. I haven't conquered cursing. Like I, I I'm going to just be real. Like, you know, I, I ain't past that yet. I, I still let it loose. It, it, it's every other word for me. So even now I'm like, you know, I'm editing myself, but the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of, of God is to become all things at all times. So like there's a, there's a time for whatever God need you to be in that moment but if you're not walking with him when we say be yourself what does that really even mean like we we don't we don't even fully know ourselves unless we know him because that that's always going to change based on who you're around I just think you should be so impacted and so um affected by who God is that once your identity is sealed in him like it's sealed nothing else can come into that it can't change that then now that's you. And so then when someone else comes, if they don't reflect him, they really can't change it because it's sealed. So like even who Stephon Marbury is, I love him. He's like a big brother to me now. We've known each other for two and a half, going on three years. I worked with him for you know that time. He, he can't get past certain things. So even though I look up to him, he's not qualified enough to make me question who I am. And no one, Kobe Bryant was was like my dad growing up because I didn't have a dad, I substituted. Oh, you know, I just watched him from far He's a virtual father. He was a virtual father figure. Even if I met him, which would be amazing, you know, if I would have got a chance to meet him before he passed. It, it, he can't get past certain things because God already had that. And that that's that's what being yourself is, is... You know, I, I gave my life. I sold my soul. You know what I mean? Like we say that in a negative way all the time. Like, oh, so and so say so so. Well, so, so. you sold your soul. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Like, if if you're really about this, like, that's what it is. And so once it's it's already been taken, bro, I'm taken. It's, it's like marriage. It's like a great relationship. It's like girlfriend. You know, she that's wife. Like now, no one else gets that spot. So. Again, I'm I'm too long winded. I'm rabbit trailing, but you spot on, bro. Like, that's a big thing. It's huge. Everything you're saying is right. I just, I have like a weird perspective on
0: on, on something. I don't think it's a weird perspective. Uh, The word tells us that we're peculiar people. um, And that's the perspective you have. Uh, So everything that you've been saying, I want to tell you right now, I appreciate it, right? Uh, We appreciate the authenticity, we appreciate the transparency. We appreciate the realness, all right? Because so often exactly what you said, you know, people that are trying to work their way back to Christ, people who want to learn who he is, they don't need to see a facade. They need to see the pure, authentic self that we are. Because as you said before, with all of our vices, God's not through with any of us yet. And so when I can go ahead and show you that God still uses me. There's more people in this word that shows you on different accounts that God used even in their transgressions, even in the things they did that God wasn't pleased with, he still used them. So I don't think it was a weird perspective at all. I think it was right on time. And Walt says down here, he's currently reading, Let the World See You. Um, It's a good read so far and closely related to the importance of being your true self. I think that's awesome, Walt. And I'm, I'm actually gonna go jot that down so I can make sure I do that. And that's what this thing's about, empowering one another um, on all fronts, right? And so I appreciate that, Walt, big time. So glad to have you. Um, Corey, man, I wanna thank you so much. Uh, you know, the biggest thing, like Kendra and you both saying, it, this can't go and this can't be without servant leaders who are okay with literally just allowing God to use them. And you're not only allowing God to use you, you're doing it worldwide and we appreciate that. You have a task that is a, a huge undertaking and you take it with a grain of salt you take it with so much humility to be able to spread your light and let your light shine in places where unfortunately that light is the first like we talked about it before it's the that that barrier that language barrier savior because we don't have to translate the light so I thank you for being a light big time I thank you for being a light because that's what drew me to you that's what God showed me in you to make me reach out so I thank you so much for just a being transparent being real but taking the task at hand that others would probably be like no God I don't know but taking that task at hand to show God in areas where it's new and to show it in a way that I don't try to show you this perfect pristine picture I'm showing you that I tried them and I know them And I'm telling you factually based off what I know that he can do it for you. I don't care if you're in the U.S., I S I don't care if you're in China, I don't care where you are. So I appreciate you so much, Corey, more than, you know, for being here. I tell people all the time, time is the one thing that we give that we can't get back. I don't care what you would do or how you want to do it. You cannot. So I thank you so much, my brother. And I'm asking for one more thing. Do you mind closing us out with a prayer tonight?
1: Oh, no problem. No problem. That'd be awesome. Okay. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for uh, waking me up this morning and <laughs> allowing everyone else on the other side of the world to get through their day safely. Uh, we thank you, first of all, just for your son, Jesus, uh, who was the substitute, the one that went between, who paid a price, Lord, that we could never pay. And at one time we were enemies, but now we're the righteousness of God. So we thank you for him. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. Um, even when I don't know what to do, I know what to do because I have the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you that there's no spirit of fear. Uh, we have power, love, and a sound mind. We thank you for provision. Uh, even in the times when we don't know how things are gonna work out, you make sure that we have our daily bread. And so uh, give everybody uh, a good ending to their day, uh, restful sleep, or uh, allow them to recharge for whatever the task is that they're walking into tomorrow. There's people that rely on these people. There's people that trust them. They need them to be at their best. Because they're all ambassadors and they're lights, Lord, in a world of darkness. So I just thank you for each and every one of their situations. I don't necessarily know them, but I know that you got them. And I know that there are greater things in store for each and every one of them. Give them boldness. Give them peace of mind. Um, whatever stress has come, we thank you that the enemy cannot prosper against them. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Corey. If there's anything we can ever do for you, my friend, you let us know and we got you.